You're listening to The Reopening, a podcast that asks, how will America work through the COVID-19 pandemic? How will we innovate? And how will it change our global economy? Each week, we invite top business leaders to share their insights on the road to economic revival here at home and around the world. Today, our guest is famed music producer and sports agent, David Fishoff. In 1997, David launched the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, a place where people could experience the life of a rock star with rock stars. When COVID-19 put a damper on large gatherings, David reimagined the camp as Masterclass, which now delivers the rock experience through streaming. David talks with us about technology, social connection, and the creative power of music. I'm Andrew Schwartz. And I'm Scott Miller. And this is The Reopening. David Fishoff, it is so great to have you here today. You're truly a renaissance man. As a sports agent, of course, NFL stars Phil Simms, Mark Bravaro, Vince Ferragamo, Jack Reynolds, as well as baseball's Lou Pinella, Dave Madigan, and, and you know one of my heroes, one of the greatest all-time relievers, Randy Myers of the Baltimore Orioles and other teams. And then it comes to your music career. I mean, I could go on and on. One of my, you know, amazing things that I, I think you've done is, you know, you put together Ringo and Ringo's All-Stars, which included, of course, Levon Helm, Dr. John. We could go on. You've been involved in the entertainment business for a really long time. Some of your films include Dirty Dancing, the concert tour, American Bandstand tour. You know, we could do all of this for days, but really we wanted to ask you now, you are the founder of Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. And that's something that people do normally live and in the flesh with their rock and roll heroes. Then the pandemic comes. So what do you do to keep the rock and roll fantasy alive? Scott and I want to know. So that's why we brought you on. Well, thank you. So so glad I'm here. And thank you for that amazing introduction. I appreciate that. And, you know, basically, um, I did all those things kind of basically ADD. So when I get bored with one thing, I got to go on to the next thing, you know, Sure. and I got to be creative, you know, so that's why I'm loving these masterclasses because every day I'm waking up and saying, Hey, how about get this guy for a masterclass? How about that person? And today I woke up and I said, you know, Tom McLean, let me hear that story about, about American pie. So what I did was I was doing the, the, I'm doing the camps. I'm ready to do two camps. I had the Scorpions set up for Vegas. I had Cheap Trick and doing a Beatles camp in, in New York. And, and I've been looking for the last 24 months, how do I get my business online? Because if I'm going to ever become a big business, I, got, I have to find a way to get online. So I looked into lessons online. I looked into so many different ways to do a camp online. And then it just hit me one day, you know, let me, I, I offer this masterclass at each of my rock camps and rock camp is, you know, it's a four day experience that people come. I put them in a band. They get to be mentored by a rock star counselor who's with them for four days, puts the band together and they get to jam with legends like Joe Perry or Roger Daltrey or Cheat Trick. And then they play the final night in a, a legendary venue like the Whiskey or BB Kings. And then they also get to record it at the famous recording studios with with big time producers. I put them through a four day boot camp. But one of the highlights of camp is in the evening, I do these masterclasses where you, you know, you get to sit around and talk to one of the rock stars and just shoot the crap for, for about an hour, an hour and a half and, and, and hear what they have to say. You can bring your songs in, you can learn different licks, you can learn slide. 
and just get the knowledge out of these artists. And they've really been amazing. I sit through them and I said, wow, this is, you know, they're just great what you're learning from all these people. So I said, you know, I could do this on Zoom. So I, I reached out to a bunch of artists and I said, hey, how about we do these Zoom classes, um, masterclass, charge $100, let them come on the class and they can talk to you, you can talk back to them. And they start, start one, they start doing two and three and four. And it started catching on and everybody just loved them. And then now they're calling in from Jakarta. They're calling in from Japan. They're calling in from, you know, all over the United States and Europe and even the artists. I mean, I did, I did an artist from Japan. I did uh, Ian Pace from Deep Purple. He called in from London. Tonight I have Tony from the outfield. He's calling in from London. You know, so it's been really amazing that these artists and these record producers and people like Shep Gordon, who is a music manager and you know he sold out three classes people really want information today and if they don't have to go far they can just get on a zoom so i transitioned to that in june and we've done over 100 classes and it's really been catching on so now starting today i've offered a 25 dollars ticket so you can just watch and we can do up to ten thousand people so yes there are 25 seats where you're you get to interact with the artist and then there's unlimited seats for $25 just to watch. The interaction has been incredible. To see, uh, felt so like Richie Faulkner from Judas Priest. I have 25 people in front of him. He's looking at the screen and they all mm -hmm. brought their guitars. So people of bring course. their guitars. Yeah. So Richie Faulkner says to them, hey, this is the lick. This is the lick on, on, on the song. And then he says to the guy, okay, now, now it's your turn. So each one, we unmute them. They get their chance, opportunity to speak to the artist. But he says, let me see you play it. No, you're not playing it right. Do it this way. The knowledge, the passion that's coming out of these artists is, is you, you're never going to get this. You're not going to get it at a meet and greet where you're going to sit around for, get a quick picture and leave, walk away with a photo. You're getting so much knowledge from these artists. And, you know, we advertise 60 minutes. I don't think one class has been less than two hours. Alice Cooper said, I got nowhere to go. Let's go. Let me talk. What can I offer you? Well, this is, there's some pieces of genius here. Look, first, the technology has arrived at the right moment for you, where you can stream high quality and you can do this and create that interaction. Couldn't have done it three years ago. Maybe not one year ago. Okay. The word Zoom is now becoming the, in yeah. the English language. It's like Kleenex or Xerox. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people still don't know what Zooming is in mid-America, believe it or not. I have people, a couple of my campers are over 55 and, and how, how do I doubt? I said, you don't have to do anything. Just click the link I send you and pop, the guy's going to pop up. So, uh, yeah, technology. So The second thing you did is you took all the cost out of this. Look, I mean, Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp is a, is a neat project, but it is a high-cost operation. You got hotels, and, and, and you got to pay people, and the people's time and energy, and you, you can run out of margin real quickly. Well, you know, I, I like to make the joke, but at every camp, I usually open up my opening speeches that every Jew, Jackie Mason's line, every Jew's counting how much money I'm making. Trust me, this is the hardest business to do sure. because yeah. you're starting a rehearsal. You know, it's like a band starts a rehearsal, but they can amortize the cost over 100 shows. Mm -hmm. I'm over. I'm over. Yeah, you, After you're four done. days, I'm done. So yeah. I got to pick up all the costs, the rehearsal costs, the gear costs, the crew costs, the food costs, the artist costs, the transportation. So it's, it's really not, it's not a huge business. You know, it's like running a restaurant for a week. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you, 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 you hit it. You hit it. Yeah, yeah. So these classes, you're right. The costs have come down. 
On the other hand, the artists are making more money because I'm able yeah. to do a bigger split with them and I'm able to create an affiliate program for people to promote them. But more important, I think we're able to convey what Rock World Fantasy Camp is to the world that mm -hmm. it's really not, it's really integrating yourself with these artists and learning the knowledge that they have and sharing it. And what I'm excited most about is I have a film coming out in February that's taken over four years to be produced. And uh, Doug Blush, the, he won a few Oscars editing 20 Feet from Stardom and other films. He brings out what the camp is. And what you realize in the film is that while we do change people's lives who come to the camp, we also change the artists' lives. And that's it's funny. Roger Dolce saying, I was one of them, I just got lucky. It's Sammy Hagar saying in the film, he says, you know, I didn't realize how spoiled I am. You know, I didn't really get to see people. Nancy Wilson says, you know, when we start doing the bit, we start being in the music business. It's about the passion and writing. And then all of a sudden it becomes about lawsuits and lawyers and agents and all the, all the business stuff. He says, one thing about the campus is pure music. So I try to keep it pure music. There's so many people who want to live out the rock and roll fantasy. And they were doing that with your artists in person, but it sounds to me like taking advantage of the technology now, everybody has this hunger for knowledge. And so many of us can't leave our homes or leave our homes for too long. And this is a new form of learning, it sounds like, with, with music. And you get people taking lessons, you can learn one-on-one. -on -one. But I, I think what's really been interesting for me is to see that these artists are, are at home, there's nowhere to go, yeah. and how much they share. Now, I know they have schools like Berkeley School of Music and so many schools where parents get to send their kids and they get mentored by people who haven't made it. At these classes, you're hearing from the people who've made it. Oh yeah. And yes. you're hearing Alice Cooper tell you directly, it's about the song. And mm -hmm. you're hearing from every one of these people, you know, how they made it. What, what was the key for making them? I think, you know, Chef Gordon was brilliant. He, you know, he says, you got to be above the noise. You got to be above the noise. How do you get above the noise? How do you get your music? Uh, you know, some producers have come on, Mike Clink, and, you know, said, hey, I listen to everything. Eddie Kramer, you know, send me a FedEx of music. And there was a mm -hmm. young lady came on and, you know, he said, send me your music. So, you know, to hear Jack Douglas the other day told a story. He said, I'm finding songs for a new artist. And, and, um, and Jack Douglas, you know, he produced Imagine uh, with John Lennon. He, yeah. did he did the Aerosmith, Toys in the Attic. And so funny, I just got an email from Steven Tyler's manager. Steven missed the class. Can you send him Jack's class? Oh, and uh, I was like, sure, I'd be glad to. But so I, I, I turned to them all because I cut right through the BS. Do you take music? And how do, if these songwriters are on, how did they get a song to you? So Jack said, I'm producing this young lady. I said, well, how did you find her? He said, I was sitting in a restaurant. She was stunning. And she said to me, I was in Florida. And she said, I'm a songwriter and I'm a singer. And he said, hey, gives my card, send me some stuff. And uh, she runs home and she tells her father that she met this person, looks him up. He's legit. And it's Jack Douglas. And he lives in Long Island. She lives in, I think, Nashville, Florida. And he said, I'm producing her record and we're doing it. You know, she's in the studio. And, and that's also been amazing to hear, mm -hmm. you know, producers like Eddie Kramer talk about how he's recording bands all around the world. And Mike Klink, you know, today, the technology, you can record a band in four different parts of the world. You talked about 25 seats 
that are interactive for these classes. And the artists are really getting to interact with 25 people. I and mean, one of the things that we talk about, and we're, you know, at CSIS, we're in the events business too. You know, normally we host over 500 live events a year. And these events are attended in person by anywhere from 50 to 500 people in person. We can't do that anymore. So everything we're doing now is via Zoom and it's, you know, from home. So it, our dynamic has changed a little bit. One of the things we worry about a lot is that we're not interacting with our audience the way we used to. Tell me more about the interaction that the artists are having with the 25 people who are in the class, who have registered for that interactivity. Well, I think the great thing is, is the artist is seeing face-to-face -face these people yes. that they mm -hmm. never would see. You know, they're doing a meet and greet before a show. Their focus is already on the, on the show and starting time. When are you gonna get me out of this room? And I got a quick picture. Now they're actually sitting back and they're hearing from the people saying, hey, you know, I met you at this and this. Oh, what were you feeling like when you did that concert? And, you know, I was at that show. And, and it's bringing back all these memories that these people have been holding in. You're more than anything else, you're letting the artist make music. Okay, which is what they live for. That's how they got in the business in the first place. Then they became famous. <laughs> okay, but, but, they, but it's, all musicians love making music. And you've been able to get them there. But, do the, but, but I, guess, I guess my question is, is do the 25 people all feel like they're being able to participate enough? Are there, or is, is one person dominating the conversation with the artist and the other 24 feel like they're a potted plant? Like, how, how does that work? What we do is everybody gets one question and we unmute them. And we unmute one at a time, you raise your hand and then we call upon you. And you know, the, the, it always gets to be, it's more than one question. But I, I have two questions to ask you. <laughs> and the artist doesn't say no. So, right. and they're not going anywhere. So they get that. And then by the time it's they, yeah. yeah, it's but but yeah, Britt Brit Lightning, she's amazing. She's our moderator. She's the um, lead guitar player in a band called Vixen, and she's also a Northeastern graduate. Went to Berkeley. She's very intelligent. She knows music, and so she basically hosts hosts the, the program, and and we keep it at a, at, a, at, a, at a flow. You know, we get many people come back and repeat, but it, but it's been interesting. And then we add more classes, but yes, the interaction. If the artist wants to interact. They, and, and feel they can. You know, some people are don't have that personality. Yeah. Sebastian Bach was, you know, some lady asked him, can we sing a duet together? And he said, of course. You yeah. know, I mean, you're not going to get that ever yeah. with that. Some of the things I've seen on, uh, and on these classes have just been, you know, incredible. But really, but the, the main thing has been the passion that the artist is giving across mm -hmm. the people, the hope. Listen, it's going to end. It's going to be over. Just it's going to work and it's all going to be good. And, you know, while we're all going through this pandemic, you know, there's going to be hope coming afterwards. The other great thing that's been happening at the classes is many of the artists have been giving their money to charity. So Chef Gordon, he donated his, he donates his money to the Maui Food Bank. We give money to Teenage Cancer America, Roger Dolce's charity. You know, Alice Cooper, he did it. And he gave his money to his, he's in a great after-school program called Solid Rock, where any kid in Phoenix, Arizona, can go after school, no matter how much money he has, he can go and he can just participate and learn music and do his homework there. And he always does a fundraiser every year and he couldn't do it this year. So oh. he gave his money to charity. Um, we did a thing in honor of Neil Peart, oh, Buddy yeah. Rich's daughter. She gave the money mm -hmm. to UCLA Brain Cancer because, you know, it's about Neil Peart and Buddy Rich. Yeah. So 
that's been the fun part too. So you, you, you feel like you're doing good. You're giving off information. They're not available. For, we don't record them. And I mean, we, we do for archival purposes, but you know, it, it's a live event. Each one's an event. So they're not available on demand. No, you know, I'm, I'm not in that demand business yet. I, I want to be, I want to create an event each and every time. So, but I also, the great thing has been, I've been able to get artists that I haven't been able to get to rock camp. Now, for example, when I was putting Ringo's tour together, I remember the first drummers, he was, we were putting the band together and he says, oh, give me Steve Gadd. Yeah. So I've always wanted to get Steve Gadd and, and Steve was never available. He's all touring with Paul Simon. He's all touring with James Taylor. He's, the guy works nonstop. Mm -hmm. Well, now he's not working. So I reached out to him and I got a master class with Steve Gadd and I think he enjoyed it. So we're doing it again. So I think that's been fun to meet artists that I haven't been able to get to come to camp that now are willing to, you know, they've just been busy. And uh, now they're coming into Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, you know, nightly. You're a unique guest for us because most of the guests we talk to are improvising. Some are muddling through. You're actually creating something new, different, and better as a result of the, the constraints that are placed on you. That's really unique. And most don't know Ringo Starr. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, I changed my life when I got remarried and I have two beautiful little children. And I decided I'm not going on the road anymore. And I decided to dedicate my life to changing people's lives. I did a program called the Hoffman Institute up north. Life-changing for me. Katy Perry has gone public and said she's done it. But it's been an incredible program. And it just changed my life to giving back. You know, my father was a rabbi. My brother's a rabbi. My son-in-law's a rabbi. All I watched is these people giving back all the time. And here I go and rock and roll. And thank God it's been a great business. And But... I wanted to find an opportunity to get back. And Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp has been probably the greatest thing that I can give people the opportunity to do this. And what I've seen most about the camp is, yes, people get to meet the celebrities, but that's not what it is for me. For me, it's come to me for four days. It's a process and I will change your life. I'll bring back that happiness that you had as a child. I'll bring the creativity out of you, uh, up, to, you know, creativity back in your life that you can write a song, you can make an album, you can join a band. You know, the exciting thing is, you know, when we talked to sports before, they have baseball fantasy camps. At 35, your career's over. Sure. Half, the, half the player can't hit, players can't hit the ball off the, out of the fence at 35. But you can always be a musician. Ringo's going to be 80. He's going to tour. McCartney is still touring. Mick is going to be, you can write a song at any age. You can, you can perform at a bar mitzvah. You can, you can perform at a bar. You can write a song. You can always be in the music and entertainment business, in the music business. So you can still have that fantasy in your mind. And, and that's what I love most. People, people in my camp have, have, um, have come out with CDs. They've formed bands together. You know, one of the funny stories I love to tell is a guy was in my uh, camp and was taking guitar lessons at home. And his family says, we're going to send our dad to rock and roll fantasy camp. It's a great gift. You know, they mm -hmm. send them. And uh, he comes to camp and never was in a band before. Takes guitar lessons on Saturday mornings, meets a bunch of people at camp from New York, and they decide they're going to form a band together when they get back out of camp. They leave camp. He shows up to SIR in New York. He walks in there and he says, hi, my name is so-and-so. And, -so and I, I want to rent a rehearsal spot for my band's rehearsal. We want to rehearse one night a week. And the guy looks at him. He says, hey, have you ever been in a band before? And the guy says, yeah. He pulls out his phone. He says, yeah, that's me and Roger Daltrey on stage last week at uh, House of Blues in L.A. He goes, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. guy has a band today. You know? Roger so Daltrey. 
Right. My late friend, Tony Snow, who used to... Oh, you were friendly with Tony? Yes. I, I was Tony's producer. Well, wait, do you know the story with Tony Snow? Tony yeah. Snow goes on the radio. He yep. goes on television one day. Yep. And he talks about rock and roll fantasy camp. Yep. So I called Tony up and yep. everyone said, everyone told me about it. So I call him up and, oh, I'd love that man. And I said to oh, him, no. we, we got to talk and, and he called me back. He was such a gentleman. We talked about rock camp and he came, by the way. Yeah, I know. He loved Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson was his hero. Yeah. Because Tony played the flute as a kid. I'll never forget. I said to him, I said, you know, okay, so I'm going to give you your fantasy. How about you give me mine? He says, well, what can I do for you, David? I said, well, you know, you go to Israel and mm -hmm. I want to go with you. Because he mm. says, David, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you to Israel with me, and I'm gonna go because I go meet Arafat to Bibi Netanyahu. I'll take you. You come with me on a trip, and we'll go we'll go visit the PLO. We're gonna visit everybody. Oh my! I thought that would be so cool if I could just follow him around. So he, I just got married. It was 15 years ago, wow. and he was doing the trip, but it was on Yom Kippur. He was leaving on like the Jewish holiday. Oh! I never went. I I oh. always regretted not going with him. But boy, I remember sending him a guitar. He was such a, he, he did the camp in New York. Yeah, he came. Oh, you know, Tony was the greatest. And he. And even when he was working for the president of the United States, him and I, I were in touch. I know. And, you know, he, Tony um, wanted to form a band and he wanted to call it Nine Inch Nose Hairs. <laughs> 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 and, you know, one of the, the, one of the things, um, Tony just loved music so much. And, um, one such of the a mensch. oh he was such a mensch he was such a mensch and he used to talk about your camp and it really was such an inspiration to him it was such an inspiration to him and you know that was i think that was the first time i ever heard of rock and roll fantasy camp was through tony and you know he knew i was a big music fan and rock fan and so he got me into it and I've been following you ever since then. And just sort of, you know, seeing the clips and seeing w what's going on with you and seeing, you know, how happy you make people. Because it's not, you know, it's interesting. It's like you're making people's dreams come true in meeting, you know, some of the rock and roll heroes. But I think it's a lot more than that. I think it's that it, it's something about there's a spirit there in the music. And there's a spirit, there's a kinship. Because the stuff that I've seen and I've read there's a bonding that people get when they bond over this music and this culture. So this is what's amazing. The best friends, these rock stars tell me their best friends are the campers. They've met these people. Yeah. And, yeah. The, you know, they, they, listen, rockers always went out the back door. You yeah. know, they, they were always, they, the, the concert ended with Ringo and we were in a van and we, got, we were gone. By the time the audience, because we have to get out of the arena to get to the next, to the airport, to get to yeah. fly to the next city. So every rock star is always leaving. And uh, any rock star leaves you a backstage pass. And after the show, most of the time they leave them to you because they're gone. It's not just a little secret, you know, unless they tell you they're going to stay. Yeah. So what happens is, is you never get to meet rock stars. And unlike country music. So people said, oh, why don't you have to do a country fantasy camp? I said, well, you know, the problem with the country artists are, I remember going to take my daughter to see Oprah one day because she wanted to meet Oprah and Keith Urban was on the show. And she said to Keith, she said, you know, you know what was your first concert you went to? And, and he said, I went to see Aerosmith. And then the next question Oprah asked, did you ever meet your fans? She said, I meet my fans every night, five o'clock, they come out to my bus, we hug them, we love them. You know, and that's the way they, they do. They, they meet all, and then they got Fan Fest in Nashville. 
Mm-hmm. So she said, and then he turned to me and said, boy, if I could have met, if I could have met Steven Tyler, that would have been my dream. So Rock is always known for leaving and mm-hmm. you never get to meet him. So putting them two together, they never got to meet how great these people are and the, and the Rockers, they got to meet. So they make best friends. Every rock star has told me that in the front rows of all their shows, now these campers are on the front rows because once they played and jammed with them, they can't sit 14 rows back. They got to be in right. the front row. And, and the, the artist knows them as individuals. They're, they're people yes, to them. They know they're not individuals. a crowd. Yes. Right. And, and, they, and they've stayed in touch. And I'll tell you, yeah. what, one of my fabulous stories, that I, I mean, I've got so many great stories, but so many, one of the ones I really enjoyed telling is about, I had a, a rocker. He was Mark Farner from Grand Funk. Oh, and yeah. he was at my early camps. And he was going through some IRS issues from years ago, Grand Funk. And anyways, the camper said to me, you know, I love that Mark Farner. I said, you love him? I said, you're a lawyer. Go help him out. They're best friends today. He pulled him out. He helped him out with the IRS. Anyways, the bottom line is, is that these campers are really fabulous people and they make great relationships. And every counselor, everyone's told me that their best friends are from rock and roll fantasy camp. And so we've created a, a great thing. What's the problem with that? So they, David, why aren't you making zillions of dollars in this business? Why has it been so hard? So here's the truth. The, the problem has been is people have been scared. You know, it's not even the money, you know, it's cheaper, you know, it's the same thing as price to go on a cruise and to jam with these people. I've had Jeff Beck and, you know, I, I figured, okay, I'll get 40 guitar players, put them in 12, 14, 15 bands. People called up the week before and said, oh, I'm sorry, I can't make it, David. My, I do it. my husband can't make it. Uh, his uh, mother lost cancer. His brother has cancer and his guitar has cancer. You know, I, I hate to say it, but they, they, I know they're lying and, 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 you know, but it's not, they're scared. There's yeah. that fear factor. Well, sure. Cause like you're going to step on stage and strap on a, on a fender with, you know, Jeff Beck. It's th- that's like, that's like saying you're going to take batting practice with Babe Ruth. So I get it. I totally understand it. I never forget a dear friend of mine invited me to go to Michael Jordan basketball camp. And he yeah. had a fantasy camp for a while. I said, I'm not going, Michael Jordan. I'm not going to go with a bunch of guys who no think way. they can, they all think they can beat Michael Jordan. And I'm not even going to try to make an attempt. So I don't want to make a fool out of myself. You know what? The biggest mistake I made, they came back and had a great time. It's not about that. It's not about, it's a really, the rockers are so generous in their time and they want to show you tips and they, and they're just, they put their pants on the same way everybody else does. So I think what, what, when they come to camp, Everyone, the mask goes away. They leave their egos at the door. And, and I tell that to everybody. I tell that to all the rockers. I said, listen, this is about these people. We're going to give them their dreams, their fantasies, and leave your egos at the door. And I, I got to tell you, they, they do. They come in, and, they, and it reminds them what it was like when they first started. You know, it's so true. I mean, you know, the late, great Dr. John, Mac Rebinac from New Orleans, so he was the greatest ever. And, you know, I got to know him a little bit. Everybody who listens to this show knows I went to Tulane and, you know, the Neville brothers are like my second family and all that. But Dr. John was was really, you know, one of my heroes and I got to meet him. And a lot of people were always really scared of, of Mac because he was this intimidating looking guy. But you would meet him and man, he was the most incredible soul and so thoughtful and so nice and so kind. And, you know, one of the things that people don't realize about musicians of this caliber is they've been all over the world many, many times over. 
and they know things and they've seen things that most of us have never seen and never experienced. So they have this knowledge. And so I would get on the phone with Mac, Dr. John, and I could never get off the phone with him because it, we would be talking about politics. We'd be talking about global affairs. We'd be talking about competition with China. We'd be talking about, and then he would say something like, you know, Andrew, a good day is when I get up in the morning and I can find my shoes and I can put them on. He was just like everybody else, you know? So that's what made me create the camp. You know, I was on the Ringo tour and I was putting it together and everyone kept telling me it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You can't put all these people from all different bands in one thing. Yeah, it works. You can do it one night and do a, a benefit, but to tour, tour all these egos, uh, all these artists on one, on one plane, and, and, you know, go out and Joe Walsh and everybody, you know, Drum how are you going to do this, David? How are you going to do this? I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to take a chance. I mortgaged my house. I, I literally mortgaged my house. I got excited. I got Ringo. I said, you know, I'm a promoter. I'm going to take a shot. I got a Beatle. And I'm at the fourth show at the Garden State Art Center. And people can YouTube this under David Fishoff and Ringo Starr. They can look up our names. And there's a scene in there about what happened was that, um, I was, you know, Ringo had mentioned to me, I want to play Radio City. And, you know, he wanted to do it for the band. He's always, he, Ringo did, did everything always for the band. And so I'm sitting with the president of Radio City and all of a sudden Nils Lofgren walks by my table and he says, uh, David, I'm out of there. I, I'm not doing this anymore. I said, well, what are you talking about? He says, uh, you know, what, these guys are fighting over songs. It's not going to work. Clarence Clemens walks by. He says, I'm out of here too, fish up. I said, what, 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 what's going on? And he said, well, Joe Walsh and Levon Helm are having a fight. And it's, it's never going to work. So I said, well, let me go find Ringo. And I, try to go, I go to try to find Ringo to break up this fight. And I can't find him. And all of a sudden, the security guard says, you better go in there. And I walk into a room, and I see Levon Helm with a knife and blood on his hand. Joe Walsh is, has a glass bottle and blood all over him. And they're fighting. And they're calling Ooh. each other four-letter words. And, and you mm -hmm. ruined my song. And then all of a sudden I walk in there and I'm scared. And I walk in, are you guys a bunch of babies? What are you doing? And they both turned around, they pushed me and they threw blood at me and they both turned around and stuck their tongue out. Dan set me up for the greatest joke, you know, and it's on you to, you it's know. It's a prank, oh my What goodness. a prank. I mean, that's Joe Walsh, he's king of pranks and leave on home. And um, so, you know, they, they set me up on this prank. Dr. John's in the room. Yep. So I got to, that's why I created the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. I got to travel with Dr. John, Clarence Clemens, Levon Helm. I got to see how amazing these people are and what they have to offer. I said, and everybody called me every day. President of the CAA, music department, all these, all these people in the industry. Dave, what's this guy like? What's that guy like? How are they all getting along? I can't believe Joe Wall. You know, how you, how's he not fighting? You know, what's going on? And I said, I don't know what you know, but. I never met Dr. John before. I never met Levon Helm before. Uh, I never met any of these people, really. And watching them all get along and to be friends. And so I, I, I built up a great relationship with Mac. He was amazing. He was, oh. what, a, what a guy he was. And um, <laughs> my favorite story. On, well, first of all, what a gentleman. He came to Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. I invited him early on. He came. Levon Helm, who wouldn't show up to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, shows up to Rock and Roll Fantasy oh, Camp. Levon. These guys were, they were just, you know what? You said a great line earlier. You said they traveled the world. They know. Mm -hmm. They know so much. They've met. They, they know the line between bullshit and not bullshit. Yeah. They are so sharp. I remember what the Turtles once said, we're going to write a book, start the deposition without us. 
I mean, these people know the artists, Ringo. I mean, he's been through, you know, the Beatles. I mean, Stones, yeah. you know, these people, they're, they're smarter than anybody because they, they, they actually go through all this all the time. So, And how great does Ringo look, by the way? 80 years old is amazing. I mean, he looks amazing. Yeah, well, he takes great care of himself. You know, he takes great listen, care the smart, the, the, what, what we're learning is the smart ones are going to take care of themselves. They're going to be with us for many years. And the ones who, you know, abuse themselves, you know, but I'll never forget Dr. John. He's walking, he's pacing back and forth in the backstage at the Greek theater. And I went over to him. I said, Mac, are you okay? I, you know, you, you, big show tonight at the Greek theater and sold out. And he said, oh, I got three wives out there, you know, trying to beat me up for money after the show. <laughs> Ah, sounds like a cool song. Oh man! Oh yeah, I really got. That. I loved him. He was yeah. So that's the Greek theater in Berkeley. You're talking? Yeah. No, no, no that's the Greek theater in L.A. In L.A. Okay, okay. Oh man, brilliant! They all had fun. They all had fun goofing on me. You know, I was ten years younger than them, twelve years, you know, and you know, I was really the naive one. I, you know, I, I was naive and. And, um, you know, listen, I come from the world of the monkeys and the turtles and the village people. So, you know, I had to change my whole life overnight. And I'm so glad I did. I mean, sure. Hey, I, I've got those Ringo All-Star albums sitting right here. I mean, those are they're amazing. And, you know, and, and what they did for Levon, too. Hold on. Let me tell you how many lives Ringo, Ringo saved from these musicians. Yeah. Number one, they all had to take health, um, you know, you have to get in short to go on a big tour like this. Mm -hmm. Dave Edmonds, he saved, you know, his life was saved. I mean, I can't tell you what an influence Ringo had on all these musicians and on becoming sober. And yeah, the, the, he, he was he's amazing. But Levon and I got very close afterwards. And there's a great book that just came out. A lady wrote a book on Levon just now. And he was interesting, you know, and yeah. I mean, and I, I'm glad the book, the, the book really tells the story. She really gets down and dirty on who Levon Helm was in a great way. And, and Robbie Robinson made that great film the other day. That yeah, I saw it. it. And mm -hmm. it wasn't the truth. Let's face no, it. it was, it's not. It's not true. It, it's probably his, his guilt of, you know, his guilt to get, get rid of his guilt. But yeah. And, and, I'm, and I'm not here to judge whether he's right or wrong. But sure. Levon did not like him. And, no. and, and all those guys in the band were penniless. And, and I think they, they felt unfair that um, they felt taken advantage of. Well, it's true. I mean, look, I, I interviewed Levon several times. I've talked to Garth, Garth Hudson several times. I, I had the great honor of talking to the great Ronnie Hawkins several times. And, you know, Levon was a broken man over it. Broken man, yeah. He really was. I, I, I got him to do the book. You know, I, I managed him for a little bit. I got him to do the book. I learned so much from Levon Helm. You know, it's so funny. When I wrote my, my last book, Rock Your Business, I dedicated it to Levon Helm and Davy Jones. Amazing. But they, both of them really taught me a lot. The new book came out. This lady wrote a book called Levon. just came out. It's really good. It's about the years later and the barn mm -hmm. and tells the story. And he was such a I, – I enjoyed him. I, I learned a lot from him. I didn't agree with him. Yeah. Many times I didn't agree, but you know, Levon wouldn't do the song uh, the night they, you know, the, the night they drove all Dixie, Dixie down. down. Yeah, he wouldn't do it because he he didn't want. He thought his the the royalties were going to Robbie Robinson. Sure, and but the fans wanted it, you know. So sure. he he was definitely conflicted. He was definitely conflicted. He was um, so conflicted. But he was such a. 
if he if he if he loved you, you know, he was a, a dear friend. Uh, and I remember when he got cancer and, and he couldn't sing, couldn't talk. And I called him up one day. And I said, "I'm taking you to a Yankee game. I'm coming up to Woodstock." He he loved the Yankees, yeah. and we went to a game. I'd go up to visit him and sit on his in his fields, and he'd say to me, "I'm going to make a venue here. This is I'm going to. This was his dream. His mm -hmm. dream is that barn, and oh. where he does those performances. So." And I, I tell you, my favorite story with Levon, after the tour ended with Ringo, after the following show, we're at the bar together, because, you know, they always they do that goof on me. And we're at the bar at the Aladdin Hotel, and Levon and Joe turned to me and said, you know, wow, we should build a, a rock and roll hotel here in Vegas. This was pre-hard rock, pre-hard rock. These guys called it. It's amazing. If you, if you think of all these rock stars, what you can learn from them. You know, oh, yeah. and I don't... Lena Ford, she, another thing, we were doing a team building. I do these team building exercises once in a while for companies where we go in, we write songs. And she turns to me, and we're doing one for um, McKinsey and Company. Mm -hmm. And she says to me, she says, David, can you imagine these people thought we were bums 40 years ago, and now they're hiring <laughs> us to teach in team building? But if you look at Kiss, if you look at Aerosmith, mm -hmm. if you look at The Who, you look at The Rolling Stones, you can learn so much so about much. business and about team building and what it is to be in a band. I mean, to be in a band is ultimate team building. Yeah. And, you know, Warren Haynes says, he says, it's to listen. You got to learn to listen. So there's really a lot you can learn from our industry that people don't realize that, you know, they, they hear the music, but then they don't get to know these people personally and to realize how smart they are and, and the knowledge that they have. So. I'm loving the master classes nightly, as you can see. One of my favorite classes I ever took in college, which I assistant taught for, was a class about how rock and roll shapes society. And our most incredible guest speaker was Aerosmith's manager, Steve Lieber. And Steve was, well, Steve, Steve's my friend Jill's dad. And so Steve came in and spoke to the class. And I'll never forget that speech about how he managed Aerosmith. And it stuck with me. This is now 30 years later. And I think about it in my, you know, in my business life and what I do. Steve knew the business before anybody. He yeah. outsmarted everybody. Yeah, no, I, I, I like Steve. How, what's Jill doing now? She's a mom. She's got family. She's doing great. Where is she living? New York. Yeah, yep. Steve's in Florida. He reaches out to me all the time, you know. Great people. Great people. David, you're giving people such a window into the, the music world that you can't get otherwise. I mean, it's just, and every night you do this. I mean, I couldn't believe the, 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 the masterclass agenda that you've got rolling. It's, it's a really, a, truly impressive. I feel privileged, you know, and, and, and I, I was a sports fan. I'm really a people person. And what do I mean by that? I can't name you the fourth album and the fifth lick on that, on that album, but getting to know these people and, mm -hmm. and seeing who they are. I mean, Joe Perry, I mean, another guy who just gives and gives and gives has had some beautiful marriage. I mean, you can really learn even Steve Howe the other day. I'm going to leave you. I'll leave you with this. Great. Here's a guy who gets on from London, does a masterclass. And he says, listen, just because you're a, a, a rock star doesn't mean you don't have to be a, a husband, a father. You have all those other duties. Yeah. You still have to be the, that, great person you can't just and i thought that was brilliant or alice cooper saying hey you go on the stage and you're one person but when you're off that stage 
you got to be a normal human being. And he's got his wife and he's got his grandkids and he got his kids. And to me, that's who I admire. That's who I admire. Someone who can take, you know, can, can understand that the family life, but then they get off stage, you know, they get on stage and they have all that talent. It's amazing. David, this has been a masterclass talking to you. Yes, and indeed. Scott yes, and indeed. I are your biggest converts, and we can't wait to sign up for a masterclass. So we will be in the audience very soon. Thank you. Please go to rockcamp.com and you guys can push those classes. I really appreciate it. David, we, we can't we can't thank you enough. Um, we will get the word out. Keep doing what you're doing. It's amazing work. Thanks for listening to the reopening. If you like this episode, please write us a review and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. You can also find other podcasts from the Center for Strategic and International Studies at csis.org slash podcasts.